0: Hey there, everyone, Dave DeBoe here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast, and today it's my pleasure to be chatting with Matt Terrio, a very astute, experienced real estate entrepreneur based out of Los Angeles, California. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: Doing fantastic, Dave. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So,
0: Matt is, has a very interesting background. I'm not going to steal his thunder because he'll tell us a little bit about it. But a former Marine. Uh, served in Desert Storm back in the day, Uh, worked in the music industry with a music business until technology kind of came in and turned things sideways for him. And then he got into real estate investing. So I don't want to take away from your story, Matt. So tell us a little bit about that background. How the heck did you get into this crazy real estate gig in the first place?
1: Yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on a little bit. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I spent the next 15 years of my life in the music business. And that old digital download came along and it wiped out all the record stores and wiped out the way that people consume music. And in a very short period of time, I found myself bankrupt and divorced and went from a seven-figure year really quickly in about six months to $7 an hour. And I was bagging groceries. So that was at the age of 34. So that was my humble new beginning. (laughs) That That would bring a guy down a notch or two, that's for sure. Yeah, sure will be, or sure did. But the most unlikely I I look back at it now, I had no idea the impact of this statement when I heard it, but I look back and I think it was the turning point is when the the grocery store manager who had some rental properties, he had said to me, real estate, Matt, if you want your money back, it's the final frontier where the average person has a legitimate shot at creating epic wealth. He didn't say epic wealth, he said real wealth. I say epic now because it has to do with epic real estate, but anyway- Um, that really sat with me because I didn't know what I was going to do next. I just knew I missed my money from music and I was like, well, whatever I get into next, whatever I decide to learn next, I want to make sure it's lucrative. And so that statement was like, okay, it set me down this path. I became a real estate agent, did that for about four years until I realized, wow, if real estate is where all the money's at, I'm sitting on the wrong side of the desk. (laughs) So I, uh decided to no longer serve people in the sale, the buying and selling of their properties, but rather than serve myself in the purchase and sell of my own properties. So I became a real estate investor and stumbled upon this book. You've probably never heard of it called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It gave me that concept of passive income, right? And, And in the music business, I was really just so focused on you know, the next month, how many CDs can I sell this month to make more money? Make more money. It was just about how big I could get my bank account. And this was just a whole new concept introduced to me that it's not necessarily how big your bank account is, it's how much money comes in each month without your direct participation. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm starting over in life. Let's do it differently. So this doesn't happen to me again. Let's just focus on building streams of passive income so it covers my monthly expenses. And then we'll keep on doing that and we'll allow my lifestyle to rise with the passive income. In less than four years, I was able to, to make that happen to where I didn't have to work. I wasn't rich by any means, but I did not have to work. not
0: uh, all the race.
1: Yeah, it's, exactly. And like I said, I, it was a combination of increasing my passive income and, and pushing down my expenses. And, you know, as you can imagine, when people around you, your network, your friends, your family, they all know your story and they knew you were bagging groceries just a few years ago. And now they notice that you're playing golf on a Tuesday. They're wondering, how did you do that? <laughs> and so I had a lot of lunch meetings with friends, a lot of coffees to, quote unquote, pick my brain. And it just seemed like a natural progression to start teaching what I did. And here we are probably 10 years later after that decision. Got the yes. uh, what I think is the number one real estate podcast, until I met you, of course, <laughs> uh, on iTunes. We just started our ninth year, so we've been doing it for a really long time. And, uh, wow, that's awesome. you know, life is great. Yeah.
0: Well, that's great, Matt. So what? what's kind of your bread and butter real estate investing strategy?
1: I'm a buy and hold investor. I'm not part of the flipping generation or the wholesaling generation. I've certainly flipped my share of properties I've and wholesaling is more of a, it's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? The, the last option, you know, when everything else won't work because mm-hmm. uh, we do a lot of marketing and, you know, every property that comes in doesn't necessarily, fit our category or our, our, um, our standards or our criteria is the word I was looking for. And so, but we still spent money on it. So we figure out how, how can we still recoup that and, you know, throw that back into the marketing spend. And so that's when we wholesale, but I'm a buy and hold investor.
0: You're focused primarily on single family homes or multifamily properties or a bit of both. Yeah,
1: we ventured into uh, multifamily and, you know, bit off a little bit more than we could chew. And so we're still licking those wounds, but we're going to go back in smarter and wiser the next time.
0: All right. So you built up a significant portfolio of single-family homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you focus primarily in in California, or do you invest all over the place?
1: Yeah. No. Being a, a cash flow investor, it's pretty tough to do in California. It really, anywhere on either coast. Mm-hmm. So we're we're focused primarily in the Midwest and the South, where uh, the cash flow numbers are more favorable.
0: All right. Well, this this is a loaded question because it's always twenty twenty hindsight. But it, knowing what you know now, well, let's mm-hmm. say you lost it all. You lost the the portfolio, you lost the influence, you're kind of starting all over again from scratch. What would you do, do differently?
1: Oh, I'd do the exact same thing I did to get started. And uh, actually we have been asked that question so many times, we created a, a, a free real estate investing course around it from where I just documented that whole process A to Z. So that's how I would get started. But what I would do differently as I was growing is I'd be really careful about my delegation. I'd be doing as much due diligence on the team, specifically property managers and contractors. I'd do as much due diligence on them as I would do on the properties. Because in hindsight, looking back, like you asked, what I have found is that real estate is really, really safe. It's the people that are risky.
0: (laughs) Well said. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all been bitten in the butt a few times before. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. we have been training people for 10 years or so now. You've been Mm -hmm. working with a lot of folks with Maybe besides the, the getting the wrong team members, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making when they're investing in real estate?
1: I think most people, I think they go in with, with the wrong expectations right up front. Okay. And there's a lot of people that get into real estate, like, I'm going to give this a try for 60 to 90 days and see how it goes. Yeah. And I think that's really the wrong mindset to get started with. I also see a, a difference where people the idea of going and being a real estate investor and eventually the dreams of being a full-time real estate investor and not having to hold down a job not having to work for the man i think that's really glamorous and romantic the idea of being your own boss and being flexible and being the person that can call the shots is, is you know really alluring and it's great when you get there but i think what people miss out on particularly when they're coming from this employee mindset or they've always been an employee is that yes, you are in the beginning you were gonna be your own boss and it's fantastic, but you're also your own employee also. And so you have to hold yourself accountable to you, yourself, your your new boss, in the same way that you were performing for your previous boss when you were working for the the man, right? Mm. And so I think that's where a lot of people stumble. I think they just don't realize that the the freedom of being your own boss doesn't mean the, the freedom of not having to work.
0: Yeah. So you have to have things set up properly before you can be taken that Tuesday off to go golfing.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cause you go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you, you the boss is not going to fire you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but You're going to go broke fast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you're a big fan of Robert Kiyosaki. That's kind of the, mm-hmm. the book that got you inspired as for myself and
1: countless others. Many right. Many people. Right. Yep.
0: So, Kiyosaki wrote another book called Your Unfair Advantage. And Mm. I think Mm -hmm. everybody who's a successful real estate investor has probably several unfair advantages or superpowers. What would you say is yours?
1: Mine. I would say the the ability to do this business, particularly the purchasing and the, the acquiring of property with creative strategies, not needing a whole lot of money. I think that the belief... Uh, and it's hard for me to convey it to my students until they pull it off the first time and then they believe it. But still, there's a lot of doubt going into it the first time you try to do this. But focusing or recognizing that when you have a good deal under contract, you have control of that good deal, you have more power than the people with the money. And I think that gets reversed sometimes. People think they can't get into real estate investing because they think they're going to have to, I don't know, kiss butt to go borrow the money from somebody so they can close the deal, right? right, right. In reality, when you start getting good deals, you you start to recognize you're the more valuable piece of that puzzle. So finding the deal and just knowing that the money is always going to find you. And I think and being able to put that type of stuff together with creative strategies as far as the seller uh, participating in the deal and carrying back some of the financing and, and being able to raise private money and put those structures in place. I think that's my superpower. That's why I've, that's why I got started. And now that I have money, I still don't use much of it because why would I, if I, if I built it without it, right?
0: Yeah. Like Kiyosaki says, he or she who, win, who raises the most money wins,
1: right? Mm-hmm. You got to get it to perform too. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, an incomplete statement. Uh, I learned that the hard way.
0: So Matt I mean if people are saying well that sounds good for you but but you know I'm not that good at at that what would you recommend to them to become better
1: Well it's it's like anything real estate investing is a skill and we have, we hold a two day summit for our private clients here and one of the things that we stress is when we go over like scripts and, and deal analysis and creative structures it's a skill that can be developed like any other skill and that's through massive repetition and I show people and demonstrate, like, you know, practice your dialogue with the seller in the same way you would practice your golf swing at the driving range, or you'd practice playing the piano, right? Just massive repetition. And even when you're good at it, keep getting better, because that's really the skill that makes the most money in real estate. And I say, if you, if you practice that skill in the same manner, say, a basketball player practices their free throws, your earning potential is so much greater than that NBA player. You know, you just look at LeBron James and and the greatest player in, in, in the league right now. And you see who writes his paychecks, the bus family who built their whole empire on real estate here in Los Angeles. So I think that's how valuable of that skill can be. And if you treat it like a skill and practice it like you would any other skill, I think the sky's the limit.
0: Yeah. Very, very, very well said. All right. So, um, when it comes to your students and your coaching clients and whatnot, I mean, you and I both know there are a gazillion different real estate gurus and trainers out there. What's the biggest problem that you help people to solve?
1: The biggest problem, I show them how to how to find deals because there's yeah. a lot, if you're going to bring other gurus and, and trainers and educators out there into the conversation, you know, they're, You can go learn how to flip properties or excuse me, you can go learn how to flip, fix and flip. You can go learn how to do storage facilities or mobile home parks or multifamily. There's all these other, I mean, there's all these cool strategies out there. But at the end of the day, if you can't find that real estate at a discount, none of the other stuff matters. So that's what we really focus on is helping people generate leads and then convert those leads into discounted contracts. And then once they have control of it, now they get to decide what am I going to do with it? rather than being I'm a wholesaler or I'm a fix and flipper. Like, you know, every, there might be a greater income potential on that property after you've done your analysis, after you actually have control over it. So that's really what we focus on is finding the deal, finding the deal, finding the deal, and then getting control of it.
0: Oh, that's so huge. A lot of our listeners are up here in Canada. And I find that a a lot of Canadian real estate investors are very lazy when it comes to marketing for deals. They rely way too much on realtors. They rely way too much on, on the MLS. So, yeah, learning strategies to find motivated sellers and go, you know, that that was my whole trick at the beginning when I first got involved was getting motivated sellers to call me and that's just a game changer. So yeah, that's right. that's huge. Right. All right. Well, we're just got about three more minutes to go here. So Matt, uh, have you got any, you talked about it at the beginning, any free resources for people that they want to find out more about you and perhaps how to, you know, share some deals? Yeah, you know what?
1: I- I just did something about six months ago. I put a lot of work into it and I created what's called the six levels of real estate investing. And each level is based on how much money you're making and how much time you're putting in to make that money. And I just kind of reverse engineered my whole journey, divided that up into six levels and so, And identify this is what you're dealing with. This is what you're experiencing. This is where you're vulnerable. So this is where you, how you fix it. This is where you want to go to work on yourself. So at each level, there's a whole different set of stuff that you get to deal with. And so if you go to what's my next whatsmynextlevel.com, what's you can get that whole resource. It's a really nice, thick book with a bunch of pictures, and it's really pretty and everything. But it's also really, really helpful, and uh, it's a great resource for anybody that's trying to get to their next level.
0: Sounds good. We'll include that link in the show notes so people can click on that and find out more about that. All right. Now, Matt, from all your years of experience, and you've been in this for a while now, and you've been teaching and training people for quite a while, what do you think would be the biggest action tip you could give somebody to actually get off their tush and and, and get some stuff done sooner rather than later?
1: The biggest action tip, I think, first is recognizing... If I keep doing what I'm doing right now, will I be happy with my result in five years? That can be something that gets people off their butt pretty darn quickly, right? So what
0: would be an example of somebody, you know, give, what's a concrete example of somebody not doing that?
1: Okay, so someone that may be listening to, to this show right now mm-hmm. is, might be a great consumer of podcasts, a great consumer of books. Um, they love fact. the information.
0: And a seminar junkie, maybe.
1: Yeah, so exactly, and and I've been there, and I recognize it, and I still fall into that trap every once in a while because I like learning, and I, I really like learning. But, you know, if you continue just to go down that route and you don't implement what you've learned, are you going to be happy with where you are five years from now? I think there's, there's kind of three things that you can do. First thing is to really just make the decision to start, it's, and I think that's probably easiest if you're having trouble with it of look at what you're doing right now and kind of envision out there into the future what will your life look like in five years if you continue to do what you're doing right now i mean sometimes for some people even just six month vision is a little bit scary and that's really what catapulted me off my butt and into action out of that grocery store i was like wow if i keep doing what i'm doing i just might be manager of this darn store someday (laughs) and i was (laughs) like i didn't like the way that sounded and so that was the first part second part i would say is and this is a it's such a cliche but it's so true and I hate that it's a cliche I hate that it's overused because I, I think people disregard it or don't or discount the value of it and that is really be intentional about creating your environment and that that cliche being you are the average of the five people you spend the majority of your time with and there's so much truth to that and I wish I would have known that a lot sooner in life or at least implemented it a lot sooner in life because when you start getting in a different environment of people that are doing what you wanna do that are living the life that you wanna have. You find yourself in different conversations. You find yourself with new ideas. You find yourself where those new ideas actually seem possible and they don't feel like dreams. You get connected to resources and relationships that can actually make all that stuff happen. And I think that's, that's number two is just get around, be intentional about creating your an environment, get involved with people that are doing what it is that you wanna do. And the third thing would be is to become a person of value inside of that community. Right? Be the type of person where uh, you are valued to be around, you're enjoyable to be around, whatever that, just finding out what people need and and trying to give them that and then start asking for help. And then
0: uh, I I like that second point. You're right. It is overused. And mm -hmm. my follow up question to you was, well, okay, let's say you're a brand new real estate investor. You Mm -hmm. don't have a hell of a lot to bring to the table, you know, as far as experience, you got nothing. Mm-hmm. How do you bring value to the other people? Because I see so many people just trying to suck stuff out of right. experienced real estate investors. What would you suggest? Like,
1: sure. Exactly. So to be successful in real estate, you need four things. You need knowledge, time, money, and credit. Now, you don't have those don't all have to be yours, but you have to have access to all of them. And there's very few people out there that have an abundance of all four at any given time. Yeah. And so it's- once... To find out how you can become a value, it's really creating that relationship and finding out what people need, and whether it's you that can bring that value personally, or maybe you can make an introduction to a person that can deliver that value. That's that's really the, the probably the easiest way to do it is just ask. Hey, you know, I what do you need? One of my favorite networking questions was, you know, uh, Dave, I'm going to be talking to a number of people next week. As you can imagine, I come across all kinds of different people in my business if I were to find your ideal client, how would I know it and how should I introduce them to you? Nice, that's right? beautiful. So that's a really good way to ask. And so that's actually a comment you might be able to tell, I've said that more than once because it served me really well for a really long time. Oh, that's it awesome. totally free yeah. to use.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, and I appreciate that, right? Because it's, it's all, like you said, give before you ask, right? Offer yep. before you request. So that's, that's super powerful.
1: Great. We've got to wrap
0: things up here, Matt. So again, you offered a very valuable free resource. And if people want to find out more about you, where should they go look?
1: Um, I would say epicrealestate.com is probably everything epic. And if you listen to the podcast, we have the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast. So uh, everything you need will probably be right there.
0: Matt, great to get to know you a little bit over the the interview. And everybody, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next
1: time. Thanks, Dave. Thanks.
0: Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. It'd be very, very much appreciated. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at Investor Attraction Demo. .com take care